podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey there, listener. Do you have something to say? Then you're already a podcaster. You just don't know it yet. Whether you love to shoot the breeze with friends, have an urge to share your passions with the world, or even want to grow your business, you've got something worth saying with a podcast. With Acast, it couldn't be easier to start your own show. Launch, grow, and make money from your podcast across all listening platforms. If you have something to say, you're a podcaster. Head over to Acast.com to get started for free. I'm Will Coleman, founder and CEO of Alto, and I built Alto to put an end to rideshare horror stories. You're used to the total lack of consistency in rideshare. Maybe it's a smelly car or a driver that asks just one too many personal questions. Not anymore. With Alto, you know exactly what to expect every ride. Every Alto driver is a trained Alto employee, and every Alto vehicle is part of our private fleet of luxury SUVs. Say goodbye to rideshare horror stories. Download the Alto app today and use code FOUNDER for $10 off your first ride. So uh, we're now recording. It says live, but I don't actually think we are live. But just don't say anything extremely offensive just in case. Uh, so, Johnny, sure. I want to get your opinion on this because uh, I'm drinking a Peroni. Yeah. Because I'm in England. And you're drinking a beer of Moretti. The Moretti is a day, yeah. Peroni came out first, and the classy version was Bira Moretti. But now, Bira Moretti, no, Peroni is classier than the Bira Moretti. Bira Moretti is the cheaper by about 12 pence. Yeah. Give, me, give me the rundown of this. Is this true? Yeah, that happened. That happened on us. That went and, you know, that was life catching up with us, hitting us upside the head. Um, we certainly need to keep abreast of uh, the beer. Um, economic movements quite frankly you know the financial market for beers and Peroni is now the gold standard as far as I can see um in terms of like you know um on the high street beers that you can buy off pump Peroni is the most expensive one it we're getting regular six pound a pint in London that's awful that's disgraceful but you should be ashamed of yourselves you're ruining nights for good you know, hard-working folk who want to come out and have maybe two Peronis for £6. That would be nice, like student days. But no, they, they grinded us into the ground and many of us can only afford a handful of Peronis on a night out and that's not enough to have a good time. You know what I mean? I, I Do you trust the little Bira Moretti guy on the front? Has anyone has anyone checked his his Twitter feed going six years back? Do you trust that guy? Well, he looks like he's, he's got some bodies on his uh, resume, doesn't he? He looks like he's offed a few people straight at the mafia. You know what I mean? Not that a nice a, guy. No, he's a hitman who has enjoy is enjoying a pint after work. He's just bodied someone, and he's like, right, let's Bill Moretti to calm down. There's a, there's there is a scandal in wait for the Bill Moretti man. Let me assure you. In fact, you know he may be one of the cheaper. Most... That's why it's cheaper. Yeah, he may be one of the most intimidating um, kind of icons of um, yeah of, of like products that are every day. You know, he's he's an intimidate, way more intimidating than the Colonel or that nice man Uncle Ben. He's cool, isn't he? And he's probably going. He's probably secretly going after the Irish a bit with that pure green outfit. An Italian wearing an outfit like that. That's a that's a that's a that's a barber at Guinness. <laughs> all right johnny uh we've got a good podcast coming up today 
I'm at my sister's house, hence the wallpaper behind. Uh, I've got a big fat cat sitting on a bed with me. I'm sitting in my sister's room. It's like I'm, you know, young again. Uh, so <laughs> we've got to be a little bit quiet as well because I've got children that are in the other room. Um, so they're not uh, yours. They're not mine. They're, they're not, not mine. No, I know. Just for they think I'm, they think I'm the best, though. <laughs> they think I'm the best. Uh, cool, so cool. You ready? You ready to roll? Are we ready to I'm go live? Ready to fire into that for sure, man. Mirror man, mirror man, you twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror man. Good evening and welcome to the latest edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I am needing to be quiet today, but I'm joined by the one, the only, Johnny Cochran. How's it going, Johnny? Yeah, very good. I mean, listening to that ASMR intro from you, I mean, there'll be there'll be people just replaying that and falling asleep to those soft little tones that you introduced me with there, Pete. But um, I, I am, you know, my son's already woken up during this podcast and I'm going for it. Full volume, I'm dedicated because, you know, at the end of the day, we won 3-0 yesterday. So, yes, if my son does need to get up and cry and maybe have a walk around, walk it off, I don't mind because no one's taking me off cloud nine right now. It was a big win yesterday, a very necessary win. The the boy has to learn. I'm dressed like Joe Pesci today because it was very (laughs) cold and I also wanted to instill a bit of Christmas spirit. So I've got my bubble hat on if you're listening on the podcast Uh, and I'm feeling good about a fleece. I told you last week that I wore a fleece for the first time uh, two weeks ago and now I've got two. Uh, But this is a bit Amy Leon Dore. The kids kids wear these now. So basically I'm cool. So uh, Johnny, (laughs) I I, I went to the first, I was like, went to the game. And I was like, when was the last time I went to a game? And I, I, I thought it was six months ago, but it obviously wasn't because we were in COVID. The last game I went to, I think, was um, Arteta's second or third game against uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Manchester United, where I think we won. So it was uh, it, it was a return to the to the Emirates, and it was I was a little bit worried because we do this YouTube channel now. People didn't used to recognise me back in the day, but a few people came up and said hello. Uh, if you're listening uh hello back it was it was very nice to meet you but i was a little bit worried that i was going to turn up to the emirates with arteta fanboy paraphernalia (laughs) on and get absolutely humiliated but you know what didn't turn out that way johnny it didn't turn out that way uh so i'm going to go to you for the hottest take because uh, you were watching it on the tv and i was following your tweets after the game give me the hot take um so first of all um well done for revealing something that gives us a little in to your psyche in the sense that the last game that you went to was, you know, in Arteta's first foray into management at Arsenal. And it was a successful outing against Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. And it showed that he was a better manager than Oli, who was a novice manager as well. And you were trapped in that moment, weren't you, Pete? Trapped in that moment all the way until this next game. So for that two years, you're still trapped in the Arteta's the boss but um a lot of other games have happened since then <laughs> and that's where some of us have remained um let's just say unconvinced by what we've seen um earlier in the season obviously I was certainly warming to Mikel um but what I did say is that I think he should stay for the season I think we're there now anyway you know and I and I haven't moved off that position like largely 
But what I did say is I do believe that we need... What I need to see from the team is that we are progressing from an attacking point of view. There's no point in just nicking results here and there if we're going to fall short of where we need to be and we're not scoring enough goals. It's it's not a luxury anymore to pose an attacking threat. It's a necessity. We're never going to achieve what we want to achieve unless we start getting so, some kind of coherency going forward. That being said, I thought that this game was a great example. This is one of the glimpses into a positive outcome from that quandary. This is a time when, when and, and I'm just talking about offensively in this situation, because there are some other things that we might get onto, but we actually looked dangerous. We played on the break. We had quick movement. I'm excited by That's what I want to see from Arsenal. It's not, again, what I'm saying is it shouldn't be a luxury. This is how we should set about teams. And it can't just be teams that are scrapping in and around rele- relegation. We've got to pose a threat to everyone. And I thought that, what did I say a couple of games ago? Obviously, another big topic from this podcast that we'll get onto is Obama Yang and overall his omission um, from the starting lineup. But I've said for a couple of games, Lacazette has to play now. You heard me a couple of weeks ago. There is no way for Oba to be in this team. He doesn't, he doesn't add anything. He actually detracts from what we're trying to do. I, at this stage, you know, and I've got time for Obama Yang. He, he did well for us for a while, but. I don't want to see him playing for Arsenal anymore. Like from what he's serving up, I think it, he's stinking the gaff out. He's been stinking the gaff out for a while. This doesn't mean that I think you know Arteta's amazing. It doesn't. It's not an Arteta or Aubameyang in this situation. But Arteta was right to drop him, and we're more coherent when Lacazette plays. We've seen that once again. Um, so overall, when I'm seeing the, the sharp interchange, the quick breaks that we were setting about Southampton with, I'm more encouraged that we can find a solution and achieve our goals this season. But the key will be heading into a massive game against West Ham, massive game, whether we keep up that playing style, that um, bravery with which, and that courage with which we set around, about our opponents with in the, attack, on, in the attacking third, I mean. Um, and ultimately, it can't just be something that we save for, you know, relegation candidates. Yeah, Johnny, I love it when you when you back uh, a new opinion, not a new opinion, when you say something and then you come back to it and you say, you know what, I looked for this. I'm looking for this from Arsenal and it's landed and I'm, I'm feeling like we're, we're taking strides forward because, uh, you know, a lot of people go back and forth with us and they're like, oh, Johnny this, Pedro this or whatever. But it's like the, the beauty of football is that opinions change as you go along. And yeah. um, I like that the, you fully you, you fully reflect what I think, um, you know, a great football fan is all about. So well, my my hottest take, and, I, you know, there's a few that overlap with yours, but the Everton game shook me. I was rattled because it felt like, oh, no. You know, United, it was frustrating because we should have won. The Everton game was terrible, absolutely awful. I was like, what is Arteta putting in their tea? Uh, and I was a little bit worried going into the Southampton game because they have exactly the same sort of mindset. They're going to come and they rattle you. They're not the most talented team. But Southampton can press. They can uh, they can nick a goal here and there. And Ralph Hasselhoff is a good manager that plays the Ralph Ranick way. So I was looking for a big performance out there. And, uh, you know, the, the other thing that I was looking for, and I'll only say this because I was actually in the ground, looking for a performance from the crowd as well. It was raining. 
It was cold. Uh, we've had a bad four games. Peak time for our fan base to show up and just be shit. And didn't see any of it. There was none of it. That the 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 crowd was in a, in a great mood. They were they, they they uplifted the boys in the first twenty minutes. And I actually think that if you could have uh, laid out a narrative for the game and how I would like uh, would have liked it to, to have gone, a shit twenty minutes, followed by Arsenal finding the confidence to play their way out of a situation where they were being a little bit meek and a little bit cowardly. Um, some good goals. And then as the game went on, we grew into it and we found a bit of flair. And the goals were fantastic. Erdegaard is now showing that actually, as we've all said on this podcast, a really talented player. And the biggest thing out of the whole day is there was nobody in that stadium saying, I wish Oba was playing. Not a single person. Not a single person said that. So, you know, it's Southampton. We talk about expected wins. Southampton was an expected win. But the run that we're on, you just didn't know where that was going on. What yeah. happened last year, you just didn't know what was going to go on. So um, I come out of that game feeling really positive and feeling like the players learned something about themselves. You know, if you push forward, if you play with confidence, you've got it within you to to, to be great. So um, I'm, I'm excited. A little bit buzzing, I've got to admit. But I do want to talk about a big, fat, Ugly negative um, before we go into it. It's the captain, Aubameyang. Uh, yeah. We we are groundhog daying it again. Last week, I said, is over the new William. Mm. And Matt chastised me and everybody applauded it on the internet. Oh, Matt, so fantastic. This week, where are we? Um, Aubameyang reportedly either travelled to Barcelona and had a tattoo did something to breach COVID rules after being warned not to. Whatever he did was severe enough for him. It, he either didn't show at training or he couldn't show at training because he'd done something. Mm. Uh, and he wasn't in the starting 11. And the, the thing that really aggravates me is, is the cold takes where people are like, oh, it's Arteta's job to look after a 32-year-old earning 350 grand a week. There should be some sort of special um, program that he puts him on, looking after Oba, looking after his little ego. I hate that. Um, but maybe you feel a little bit differently, Johnny, but I would love to get your take on Oba out, not in the side. Is this an Arteta problem? Or is this uh, experienced player behaving badly? Problem. Where do you stand on uh, on on this big big decision? Um, it's weird. So overall, the, basically, the the two aren't completely mutually exclusive. But if it, if I was pushed over the issue to pick one, it would be, you know, it's Oba's issue, not Arteta's. Arteta, and the biggest the biggest thing about this is is that. It doesn't, first of all, as far as I heard, he was late to get on his return flight. He knew the kind of protocols around COVID and what he would have to do. He was late to get on the flight returning, which meant that he was always going to be quarantined through the final training, which he would, he had to be back for. And so because of that, he, you know, he, he, he didn't meet the minimum requirements of not even being a captain, being the player, which is making yourself available to not only play games, but also train. It's not good enough. It's unprofessional. And the biggest indictment on Ober is it's not, that's not the worst, you know, aspect of him as a quantity at Arsenal right now. He's playing shit. It's not like he's been ripping it up. Like, 
you know, previously when Arteta has had issues with Aubameyang, there has been a clamour to get him back in the team because we've not been firing offensively. And so we felt desperate. And it's like, can you really leave your captain, your striker out for a disciplinary matters when you need him to score goals? But at this stage... It's gross. It's gross misconduct, really. From in terms of he's not fulfilling the the means of his contract. If you're not making yourself available through just recreation, it's that's you know it's not good enough. He should obviously be stripped of the captaincy, I think. But ultimately, I just think it's over for him. But I've said that for quite some time. I've been worried about the way Obama Yang fits into this squad, into this team. I don't think he is a positive. Um, kind of element of our attacking unit when in terms of our combinations he just doesn't know how to hold the ball up or quite play quick football um and so if he's not nicking goals and being that kind of poacher he just doesn't provide enough and certainly not with leadership um but I think this is a glaring issue that we really should have got more of a grip off sooner in terms of a striking aspect everyone looked at our strikers and were like I'm not I said last year we're all we're all sitting there optimistically thinking Aubameyang's going to bounce back to what he once was. And I said, I don't think it's going to be a gimme that he returns. And lo and behold, here we are. He's not the same player. And at this stage, I think we need to look for more long-term solutions. And that simply won't involve Aubameyang. Um, and, he's, and he can have no complaints based on his uh, uh, very poor behaviour. Yeah. And you know, I didn't get back in time. Mate, you're probably flying private. Uh, you're a you're an adult. You're 32 yeah. years old. You earn 350 grand a week. It's not good enough. It's and you're just not good enough. The week before causing problems at training, it's not good enough. It's just not good enough. And that all of these all of these people online that are like, oh, uh, you know, it's Arteta's job to 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 make it work. And and people like quoting Julian Nagelsmann, and uh, you know, 70 percent of management is. Um, social EQ or whatever it is. Julian Nagelsmann would not be starting over after that behavior. The job of a manager is not to uh, wrap rules around a player. And, and Simon Jordan says some pretty crazy things on talk sport, but he's run a business. He's run a football club, maybe not as successfully as Steve Parrish, but he said, Arteta made the right decision. He said, if you keep on caving to bad behavior, you might get little short-term hits, but in the end, it kills you. And you know, every single young player that's on the up are all looking at what Oba's doing right now. And they're all waiting to see if if Arteta caves on that, then he's got a problem because all the players, you know, it's like Boris Johnson. I don't know what he's coming out there and saying at eight, eight o'clock this evening, you know, because we're podcasting during that time. But if Boris Johnson comes out and says Christmas is over to the British people, do you know what they're going to say? Fuck off. Fuck off. What did you do last year? Because leadership sets the tone for everybody else. And if you can't um if you can't enforce the rules or you can't obey the rules, um, it comes back and it bites you in the end. And the British people are not going to listen to what the Prime Minister says tonight. And I think Arteta has exactly the same problem. He's being challenged by a player that isn't performing, a player that's going to be gone in 18 months. He had to make that decision. And thankfully, no one in the stadium's got any sympathy for Oba. I think that, you know, his fan capital is at a, an all-time low. And the, the team didn't play like they just lost their captain. Wasn't like Spurs and Harry Kane, right? I mean, I mean, more telling more tellingly for me is 
Lacazette, who may have an ulterior motive in terms of playing for a, 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 future, a future employment, but he doesn't look like he's down tools. Far, far, far from it. He looks better than ever. He looks rejuvenated. And he's taken Ober's spot. If he felt that he's mate, and it's clear that they are very, very good friends and allies, you would think. And if he really thought that his mate had been treating really poorly, then he you wouldn't you wouldn't get him playing for Arteta in that way. But Ober has brought this stuff on himself. I've got no sympathy for him. None. He's he's the biggest issue that doesn't work for him is behave poorly, but he's been shit for a long time. So, you know, what did we talk about when we were talking about Perry Groves? And he was talking about Matteo Guendouzi and he said, ultimately, the guy just isn't good enough to get away with that, you know, flamboyant behaviour, like that, um, the kind of, you know, really poor behaviour behind the scenes. Ultimately, sometimes you get genius in football, of course you... Of course, you allow them a little bit extra because they're they're hard to replace. It's not hard to replace what Ober is producing for Arsenal. It's actually it's not hard to improve upon it. So he has no, you know, uh, his grounds for argument, his position is 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 very very uh, weak in this situation because we can definitely do better than him right now. And one way that you're not going to get the fans on side is. You know, turning up late, like you said, I'm completely with you. He's a grown man. Don't tell me that your flight's got cancelled either. What are you doing out there? You know, it, he just, everything about him at the moment seems to mean, seems to show me that he's unfocused at the task at hand. It This does not mean that through calling Ober out for his shit behaviour means that I or anyone else is a big Arteta fanboy. It's not. It's just over this, Arteta ain't got a choice. Get, get him out. I'm not on Ober's side. I'm not necessarily on Arteta's side in the grand scheme of things, but I want Arteta to give it a Come good Come on, Johnny. Goal. You know you're coming back. Oh, I definitely ain't going there, mate. You're you... coming back. Listen, coming it, this, is, this is the key thing now, and this is what I kind of hoped I'd said in, in the... Um, I, I hoped I was transmitting in my opening gambit, and that is that Arteta couldn't win people like me and everyone round with a game against Southampton at home. It's a game that we should win, we must win, but he could certainly have lost us. He's done himself no end of like favours by trouncing Southampton like that and giving us a glimpse as, as to what we could be from an attacking unit. But unless we go and do that against our legitimate rivals for our targets, i.e. West Ham this week, then all that we could quickly, you know, become or or, or be labelled as is a flat track bully. We beat up the the shit teams when they come around. Anyone who's got anything for us, physicality, pedigree, they're going to bully us, and we won't settle. I won't settle for that as as a as a um, prospect under Arteta. He has to show that when push comes to shove, big games, we can step up, be accountable, and pose a threat. See, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you. A little bit on that one, Johnny. We're one point off West Ham, who are having the greatest season of all time, who've got a transfer uh, approach that Arsenal should be looking at, that have got a manager that Arsenal should have been looking at. Arsenal are one point off West Ham. If we beat West Ham on Wednesday, uh, which I'm going, is going to be a huge game, then we're ahead of West Ham. So how are West Ham having a great season because they've beaten Liverpool, but draw to Burnley and can't score a goal? But Arsenal are having a shit season where every game there's a consideration that Arteta should be fired. We've got a squad that's five years younger than West Ham. We've got a manager that's got, what, 30 years less in the game. 
than our manager. So it's it's uh, it doesn't it doesn't really marry to me. I think that we've just got to accept that this season is going to be tight. Top four teams or top six teams are going to be taking points from each other every other game. But it does prove what uh, what our man Colin Lewin said. He said, "Don't enjoy the highs too much and don't commiserate the lows." too much as well it goes that there's a there's a balance to be had and actually it's bigger picture doesn't matter if we lose to West Ham on Wednesday doesn't mean our season's over because we've seen what happens um in those games it would be nice if we beat West Ham on Wednesday because I think I think we're a better team and I think if we play like we did against Southampton and and turn up I think we can beat West Ham but can if you put it the context of the season one point off West Ham who everybody's saying are the team of the year you know not team of the year. I'm exaggerating there to to really nail home my point. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No. No. I I get. I don't think we're too, too far. You know, uh, from each other in what I'm saying. But I I absolutely am not doing two highs with the highs, two low with the lows. I'm setting That's true. a goal. I'm setting a goal, which I said first of all, I don't think Arteta should have even got into this season. I said last year I thought he should have gone. But if he stays, we set some goals that would you know, start to move the needle for people like me. And that would be, if you get top four, then okay, let's keep going and keep going. And 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 the process, if you want to call it that, would still have a chance of bearing fruit. If we finish eighth again, for me, it's over. That There's no, I don't think you can sell that as going, yeah, we've got some good things. Yeah, but anyone could do what he's doing if that's all you're churning out. He's had long enough to get his feet under the table and with his own team to make us properly progress in the league. So I'm with you. I'm not saying it's a crisis right now, but if we don't beat West Ham, the, the reason why it's kind of, again, it becomes some games are bigger than other games. They're more, um, you they carry more weight and more. Uh, this is a six pointer. You said it the other week. This is a six pointer. It's a six right? pointer. Now yeah. I am happy overall with the point, point, blah, with the points haul that we have in terms of where we find ourselves in the league table at this stage, I, I think that's acceptable for where we we're in strike within striking distance of our target. And due, due, due to the fact that we're not playing in Europe, we might expect to benefit as the season goes on through playing less games and have more running yeah. left in our legs. So, you know, of course, from a strategic point of view, in terms of where we are in the league, that's okay for me. My issue is this. Every time we play big teams, and of course the top the, the, the top three are out of our remit and they're out of everyone's remit, at, but you know, in terms of top two, who's I would below say. Them. Top um, two, no, I, I think say. I think I think Chelsea Chelsea's aren't out it. of our remit. I don't think no, they are. No, I, I think they're gonna be long gone in the league for us, put it that way. They know how to win ugly in a way we could only dream about right now. But I think we can beat them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I we think... can beat City and Liverpool. No, but I think we could beat anyone on our day. And the fact of the matter is that I, whilst I don't think it should be cause for concern if we don't beat Liverpool or City, I want to see us competing against them now, not just getting demolished all the time. Even if you don't win, like a gallant loss would, you know, would start to convince me that we're progressing. But overall, if you look at our results against the, you know, the lineal top six, we have only beaten Tottenham. And all of the other ones we've lost to. That's that is worrying. We beat Leicester. Yeah, but Leicester. Leicester Leicester, Leicester were part of the mix, and now they're not. But that doesn't mean that we didn't beat Leicester. Leicester will probably be up there at the end of the season. Yeah, no, but what? Well, no, Leicester have had a poor season so far. And this is what I was saying to you before about how we can't. 
kind of look at the Brentford result and go, oh, there was extenuating circumstances around that and not look at the Leicester one and go, they're actually having a shocking season. It's not like they're projecting finishing the top six at all. Against yeah, the t- teams... Tottenham, Tottenham had a, were having a shit season. They sacked their manager and now they can go five points clear of us. Oh, exactly. But but the fact is, is we, we have beat Tottenham, OK, but they, they've turned a corner. We haven't. We're still going with the same guy. All of the other guys in and around us have beaten us. That is concerning. If all, all that we do is essentially beat up on the teams below us, I want to see us progressing in terms of our competitiveness with teams that are at the top of the league because they will be the key to us getting you know, making a concerted charge for the title and stuff in future years if Arteta is the right man. So I would like to see us progress against our direct rivals um, rather than just nicking points off of the lower teams. Apart from that, as long as we get top four, I think Arteta, you know, he he will have delivered on what he needs to do. That is my consistent goal. I'm not moving those goalposts, you know? See, Actually, what stopped us from getting top four last season wasn't really our record against the top four or the top six. It was our record against Aston Villa, Burnley, Everton. Like that's where that's where we dropped points. How many points did we get against Crystal Palace last season? You know, I think that that's where we that's why we're making progress this season because we're picking up points in the games that you would you know expect. So, but I would love to beat West Ham. Wolves were brilliant against uh, against West Ham, made them look very ordinary. Burnley um, did a good job against them today. You know, I'm hoping that West Ham are going to be the team that uh, are giant killers, but can't do it when the focus isn't there. Which which shows you the you know the mentality is it slightly different? What you care more against the big teams because you're looking for your next big deal after. So. I think it would be. Um, I think the West Ham will be a, a, an interesting game, but we're we are jumping well ahead. Let's get back into the uh, the Southampton game. Uh, Martin Erdegaard, Martin Erdegaard, absolutely awful for the first twenty minutes. Couldn't hold onto the ball, couldn't distribute the ball, couldn't get his distances right with his passing, and then all of a sudden, uh, as one of my uh, as as my brother in law said, turned into a little bit of a magician. Pulling strings left, right, and center. I mean, Martin Erdegaard has three goals in three games, three very, you know, maybe two very different goals, um, but scored against Man United, scored a great goal against Everton when we needed it, and scored a header uh, yesterday. Like, how are we feeling about Martin Erdegaard? Are we starting to see some signs that actually could have, he might, he might have been a pretty good signing? Yeah, absolutely. So I know some people are down on Erdegaard. Um, I'm not one of them people in terms of I did um, say in the summer that I think that we should have preferred uh, James Madison as an option. And obviously there was the economics that were at play there as well. But I said when we signed Erdegaard, I thought that it was a good deal based on the money that we were going to have to outlay for him. Like You know, at that point, it made sense. And I do think he's a decent player. Um, and our hope as as Arsenal fans was that he... Because he started, he contributed towards the end of last season. He was good for us. He wasn't amazing, but he was decent. Put in a, a reasonable shift, so showed flashes. But what we hoped is that that wasn't necessarily his ceiling, and with more time, he could start to move beyond it and show even more. And I think we're starting to get towards that. Obviously, he's great from set pieces. He's got good delivery, um, but he he's he is one of the players. 
that is very comfortable playing fast football. He can take those one-touch passes, which is what we need to trigger, you know, quick attacks that can that can turn teams quickly and catch them on a break. That first goal, there were two people that I wanted to pull out for special, you know, kind of commendation within that um, whole move. And that was Erdegaard and um, Thomas Party, Because the way that the ball got played, this was this is when, you know, proponents of Arteta's tenure at Arsenal, this is where I think they can have some kind of credible ar- argument in terms of they can point to something like this and go... This is, when it's good, this is what it looks like. And and I accept that. That is good. This is when the plans start to make sense for me. Whether or not they can ever do it over a long enough period against the teams that we need them to do, that remains up for debate. But when this is kind of peak Arteta ball, if we want to put it like that. It was draw the, draw, draw the um, opposing team onto you with players who are at the back but competent and confident on the ball, including a goalkeeper who I just can't stop loving anymore. I, 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 he's my, he's the best thing about Arsenal and Ramsdale right now. I honestly believe that. I think he's amazing. But, you know, even in commentary, they're like, oh, Ramsdale nearly lost the ball. And it's like, you, this guy is now com- confident with a player rushing at him to be able to find feet. And he does find feet. And then it's Tommy Asu. But it, it, it starts to pivot around Thomas Partey once he gets the ball into him and he plays that first time ball into uh, back into Tommy Asu, I believe, that little one-two there springs us. So for the people that are banging on Thomas Partey, and I do get it, he has been a little underwhelming in, in different aspects of his game lately. He does also provide a key function and it isn't just in defence. He, he is much more likely to play quick ball than Granite Xhaka, who can often take a touch and slow us down. And if Arteta ball, if this is going to be, you know, what it is meant to be, is going to succeed, I think Thomas Partey or a very similar player has to be in that position where Partey's playing because it's the only way we can spring quick enough. And apart from that, when it went into Erdegaard, he's a guy who looks very comfortable playing fast football as well, you know. And um, sorry, that was for the other bit. But in general, that was for the other guy, I should say. But in general, he's very comfortable playing on the front foot and playing, um, you know, one-touch football. And that is an attribute that I'm re- I am personally am really looking for in Arsenal players in, at the moment. Martinelli, obviously, we're going to get onto, I'm sure, because he was excellent yesterday as well. Yeah. I, 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 liked, uh, I liked how much everybody seemed to think Odegaard was good in the stadium. There wasn't a lot of, he's, uh, he's not a good player, even after the first 20 minutes just moves the ball around and something that you, you always miss little bits when you just watch on, on the TV, which I have done for the last two years stuck in America. <laughs> but um, Erdegaard is, he hustles the referee more than anyone. He's almost looking for people to back him up because he's, you know, played with shithouses at Madrid who who do that. Um, he's G's up the fans when the cameras aren't looking and he gets everybody, you know, pumped and excited. And he always shows always shows for the ball or, you know even when he's playing badly but i thought i thought he had a i thought he had a really good game i love that he's um that he's contributing you can feel his leadership in that midfield and he's obviously lacked a bit of confidence at the start of the season you know he's 22 years old and uh he's making his big move over he's getting dropped for Lacazette who's looking for that final deal but 
yeah, what what a fantastic game. And um, I love that we're seeing signs of I don't even know why I'm saying seeing signs of life. He's you know, he's been here full time for for four or five months now. But I think he's gonna be a fantastic player. Like you've always backed him, uh, Matt's always backed him. Um, and I'm glad that he he's starting to deliver. It's just a shame that Arsenal fans jump on these young players so quickly. It's like uh, certain players you can jump on because you know that you're gonna be right, but like don't do it with a young player, especially not this particular season. So yeah, um, another good game from him. And we should move on. The, the great thing is I haven't had to change some of the tightening that we've got in these videos because the next one is Martinelli, the real deal. I love Martinelli. Uh, I think that he's added a bit of control to his game. His decision-making is getting better. His corners are absolutely magnificent, but you're feeling his presence on the pitch. You weren't at the start of the season. You weren't after, you know, he was yanked off after the, I think it was the Villa game or, or taken out of the side after the Villa game. Like, give me, give me reasons to, to believe with Martinelli. What do you think? So I thought this was kind of a landmark or, or let me phrase it this way. If Martinelli is to go on to be a success at Arsenal, like a really big player, this game will prove to be a landmark game for him because a lot of us, I believe, I mean, most Arsenal fans, I don't think you'd get anyone really who doesn't like Martinelli. He's a very likeable guy. He works hard. He's obviously talented. He plays like he means business. You know, he he, he wants to do well for the club. So I think everyone's rooting for him. But earlier on in the season, you know, a couple of the games, I mean, another we talk about Ober stinking the gaff out. Martinelli was doing it as well. Brentford, he looked... Short, he looked short physically, didn't, didn't look up to the task at hand. But, you know, we shouldn't be that surprised that these are the... When we talk about giving young players, you know, time and being patient with them, this is what it is. Yeah, obviously, Saka and uh, Smith-Rowe have come through with much more urgency in terms of being able to hit the, uh, the peak. And Martinelli looked like he was absolutely on course to do the same. But that injury really did set him back and... It's not being too flippant to, you know, expect to have started to see some good play from him because it's been a while. And some players, if we're honest, never get back to the levels before major injuries. But he now, after the last few games, looks like something's clicked in his head. And I also think, to tie it back into what we were talking about earlier with Aubameyang, it weakens Aubameyang's position when you see a guy coming in here who's making himself undroppable right now. Because he looks like he plays better with Lacazette. Martinelli, he certainly does. I thought he was he was as good a player as there was on the pitch yesterday. Um, r- carried a real threat running in behind. It's so nice to see someone who who is, you know, aggressive with their runs. And you, you mentioned it. I was certainly going to bring it up. He's taking set pieces and things like that as well. That when corner you are taking so set good. Pieces. Corner was delicious. And the fact is, is when you start doing that, you make yourself more of an asset to the team. It's quite simple. Smith Rowe was overset pieces. And considering what a considerable part of our goal goal haul this year has come from set pieces, your set piece takers are key people in the makeup of your team. It's as simple as that. But when you look at the, the opportunity where Martinelli hit the post, um, that is the kind of ruthless you know, eye of the tiger kind of stuff that I want to see from our attacking players, they are going to have to start getting going and get more aggressive in terms of their search for goals. And that looked like a player who, 
you know, I don't think Martinelli would do that a couple of weeks ago because he was just short on confidence. Whereas he fe- he was feeling himself. He was flaming on. He had gone super saiyan at that point. He was like, give me the ball. I'm jinking inside. Whack. These go in from 25 yards. A month, so a mil- close. few millimetres out. But I love to see it. And right now, I think from an attacking point of view, it picks itself. He has to be in the team, whatever, whatever way you're setting up. Yeah. I, I love, you know, we all knew that he was going to be a good player. I think I, I think we got a little bit worried when he started to play, um, started to to play with a bit of meekness in his game. He didn't look himself uh, against Brentford, but keeps on fighting, keeps on training hard. And then he shows up and he's making a difference. Johnny, we, we've basically spent 15 years watching anybody that takes a corner for Arsenal not be able to get the ball past the front <laughs> post. Cazorla. Mesa Ozil. We just watched it time and time again. And finally, you've, it doesn't matter whether it's Saka, Smith Rowe, Erdegaard, and Martinelli. We've got people that are finding players. And uh, look, we'll, we'll, we'll come on, we'll come on to this. But you've got a defender in Gabriel. He's got John Terry vibes in the box. He's <laughs> an he's an absolute menace in that box. So it's fantastic to see. But yeah, I'm I'm really happy for, with Martinelli at the moment. And it's nice now that I, I don't think you had an alternative to Smith Rowe three weeks ago. But now you've got somebody that's probably playing better than Smith Rowe has been. And I'm sure that Smith Rowe will come back into the side at some point. But at least now that you're starting to get options for, for, for rotation. And I'm so glad that Arteta didn't try Pepe there. Because who's who's doing a better job? Who's done a better job in less games? It's it's Martinelli. And and the the other thing, I know, I know that online fans love him. But fans in the stadium absolutely adore him because he's he's that bang bang player. Every fan at every club wants a Martinelli in the side, right? It's uh, you know Liverpool have got players like Martinelli. Barcelona have had players like Martinelli. We I, we haven't had a player like uh, like Martinelli for a long time, and you know and then a few have come along at the same time because Smith Rowe is that player. You know a real mm. a real a real crowd pleaser. But um, I, mean, I mean I mean this is how you can look at how the aesthetic, uh, and by aesthetic I mean the kind of playing style of a player, can have a massive impact on the way that fans take to certain players. Because if you look at Nicolas Pepe and you look at Martinelli, you know, Pepe's without question had more of an impact since he's been at the club in terms of his goal and assist output, his overall output. But but the way... Pepe has that languid style in the way that Ozil does. That sometimes it appears like he's not trying, and I think that fans will forgive far more to a player with Martinelli's playing style. It looks like he's constantly giving everything and just running himself into the ground, even if they're not producing the same numbers of goals and assists. So obviously, we're all hopeful that Martinelli can now kick on on that front now. But I mean, up to now, just having a player who runs hard and looks like they care. Makes goes a very very long way with the fans, very long way because they're all living vicariously through the players on the pitch, and the ones that look like they don't give a shit, that's a quick way of alienating yourself. It just it just is you know it it might be unfair in some circumstances, but that's just the reality of it. I think it's kind of human nature, I guess. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I also I also think Martinelli has a much higher ceiling than Pepe. I think he's a. He feels like a big game player. He feels like a player that will give us fifteen games of absolutely something special at some point. But 
good good to see good to see him having a good game. I want to move on to your favorite topic um every week and uh everybody loves listening to you talk about it. Aaron Ramsdale. <laughs> Johnny again. I'm going to keep on pulling on these references because I was there for once. I sound like such a foreign fan. It's embarrassing. You know, I spent 20 years going to every single game and now I'm going back and it's a real treat to have one of those disgusting burgers. Um, But Aaron (laughs) Ramsdale, when you see him in real life, it's, it's different because he, he winds players up. He was winding Southampton players up because he put the ball down and Southampton players would be like, I'm going to get you. Yeah. And he just just played one through the middle. Or he, he, he the, the the precision of his passing is Cesc Fabregas-like. It's a joke. It's an it actual a joke. Absolute joke. And it's it's not, you know, he's he doesn't make mistakes. There are no there were almost no mistakes in his passing. And there was this moment, I think it was in the second half, or um or maybe it was in the first half, and he called for Martinelli. And he he dropped the ball out of his hands and hit a low drop shot just on the shoulder. Yeah, it's it's a joke, mate. It's a joke. The you guy is be able taking to do the that. piss. He's taking the it, piss out of people. FIFA should investigate because it's yeah. it's 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 unfair. Ten ten match ban for taking the absolute piss out of the Southampton defense. But you know, just just to have that range of passing, dropping a ball out of your hands under pressure is so difficult, and to hit it low over the shoulder. If 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 he's if he had a Brazilian name, he'd be up for the Ballon d'Or. Simple as that. Simple as that. Maybe I took that too far. But I, what I was thinking during that game, watching Aaron Ramsdale, and what you know, he's such a complete player. Uh, he's shot stopping ability. People keep on saying, you know, it's not it's not right to rely on Aaron Ramsdale to keep on making those saves. Uh, hold on a minute. It's absolutely right to rely on a goalkeeper. All the best clubs have goalkeepers that they can rely on. But it shows how complete he is. He's not, he's, you know, when, when we were looking at David Raya from Brentford, you're like, yeah, he's good, he's good on the ground, but someone scored against him from 40 yards in a playoff cup final. Aaron Ramsdale looks invincible, like Petacek in, in his prime. And he, he looks as good as Edison on the, on the ball with his passing. I wanted to ask you this. How long is it going to be before we can call him world-class? Because he looks like the best Arsenal player out there every game. The answer is not very long, because he's guess what he's putting in world class performances week in week out. When what what are we talking about with this guy? What he's more the can best, he do? He's the best player at our club right now. No, I'm not. It's not hyperbole. It's, it's not even it's, margins. It's not it, even it's, margins in it. The guy's a joke. He's an actual Outrageous. joke. And I just hold my hands up, and you know, every time I just shake my head, I think, "Wow, I questioned him." You, listen, we're all fans. We we miss on players every now and then. I got kind of caught up with the statistics of oh you've been you know you've been relegated to us but I've I just assumed I'd seen him a couple of times I've never seen him doing things like this but I just assumed and this is you know you you live and learn but a player that was getting relegated playing those teams just couldn't be as at least as good as he is you know I thought he might be I thought he had scope to be decent I said that at the time I just didn't know that he was going had enough to be first choice He's not first choice. He's probably the best keeper in the league now. I'm pleased you brought up the name Edison. He's the only other guy that I've seen play this kind of stuff with his feet. I I didn't know that there were other keepers that could do the same thing. Martinez was good with his feet, but not like this. This is not like that. He's hitting pinpoint moonrakers, 50, 60 yards, 
half volleys. He's playing one touch football around pressing attackers. It's 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 it's, it's obscene. He's definitely one of the best players in our team with a ball at his feet. And he's the goalie. <laughs> That's just straight up. And from a shot-stopping point of view, you kind of went for it. But some of the saves we've seen in recent weeks are absolutely bonkers. A double save from Madison's free kick at Leicester. It lives long in the memory. That was that was world-class. Um, there, was, there was one in this game as well, you know, which was uh, a, a tip-over, I believe. But... Yeah, um, yeah, I mean that 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 people just don't get to things like that willy nilly, um, and I'd say about f- five or six instances in the last month and a half, he has put on world class, like at least passages within a game, if not complete games. And I mean, it sometimes a, a very simple um, example of it can be all that you need. Fantasy league players, right? They will know how good Aaron Ramsdale is just based on the fact that this guy is making five, six saves every game and we're not getting keeping clean sheets. He's man of the match all the time, like via that. Like his stats are going off the off the charts. He is a very like that and obviously that is very, you know, um that that's on a very base level. Of course, that's not the mass the overall determinant of whether a player's good. But sometimes it is that obvious if someone's doing super well, they just they blow up. And right now, I think whether you would overall call him world-class, he's playing world-class right now, and there can be no question about it. Okay, Johnny. So now I'm going to do what Arsenal fans always do. We always do when a good player comes onto the scene. Should we make him captain? (laughs) Should we make him captain? Because there was a... Okay, so just a little bit of... A little bit of how the game works behind the scenes. If a club has agenda points for journalists, they'll speak to the journalists before, they'll, lift, they'll issue a brief, and they'll say, this is what we want to talk about. So tee up some questions for us. One of the journalists in the pre-match preza for Arteta said, I did a bit of research and spoke to some of the coaches and managers that worked with Ramsdale in the past, and they said to me, he goes into a dressing room and he takes over. Straight away. That sounds like a bullshit comment because you couldn't say he always goes, you know, sounds like it was a little bit made up. Do you think Arsenal are potentially priming the fans that there's going to be a a changing of the guard and that it's going to be Ramsdale? Because Arteta went big on his leadership. He's always gone big on his leadership and his personality. And every fan in the stadium adores him. Is it too much? Or is it the right decision? What would you do? See, my issue has nothing to do with Ramsdale. I'm, and the fact Ramsdale is as good as he is, and, and, and you know, I'm just quite frankly loving his input and impact right now. The reason, you know, I'm even countenancing it as a prospect is because of how good he is. But my issue is nothing to do with Ramsdale specifically. I don't really like goalkeepers being captains. It it just jars with me. I just I just don't think. I know that we can point to certain examples of it being successful. I, I do get that. You know, um, you can win World Cups with goalkeepers as your captain. But for me, I, I, I don't know. Maybe you know, and maybe someone will go. Well, it it can clearly work. So get over yourself. And I, I accept that as an argument. But 
I just kind of always feel like I even have issues sometimes with your striker being your captain. I don't think it's the kind of position that can influence the game enough, apart from unless you're going, go and just score a goal, mate, <laughs> you know, and we're trusting you to yeah. score a goal all the time on Riga go and bang one in. But ultimately, if it's not my centre midfielder or my centre half, you know, you can go into a fullback. It's not going to be that big, big a deal if they're excellent at Maldini, obviously, characters like that. But I would like to see my captain out of my centre half um, pairing or a centre midfield. You know, basically, I want an Adams or Vieira, and you know, maybe that's because I'm an Arsenal fan, and those are the best captains that we've had in in my lifetime. But I do just think that you, we tend to do better as a team when your captain is one of those positions. I think they can have the most influence over the team and the results and dig. You know, and make a game-affecting contributions from those positions. Sometimes, if you've got a striker as your captain and he's being man-marked by a couple of people, it can be difficult. And you know, you're not, you're just not with the same influence. I don't, I don't think that's my only issue. Why I wouldn't be rushing to give it to Ramsdale because he's certainly cut off the right stuff. Other people I know will disagree with me. They won't have the same issues to do with the positional. Um, kind of, uh, yeah, the position of the captain. But I would hope that a leader emerges either in centre-mid, not Xhaka, <laughs> or centre-half. Um, and, you know, obviously the other one at the moment is Gabriel, who is a monster. He's an actual monster. And he does look like he's another one who's cut off the... He's, he's made out the right stuff. So we'll yeah, see. It's, t- it's tough because you've got so many... Um... Everyone's got a little bit of a weakness. Uh, I agree with you. Ramsdale is a goalkeeper. That's sometimes a weakness. But he's going to play every single game. Yeah. And he yeah. looks like he looks like he's got a lot of command of yeah. players' respect. And he, he, you know, he's a he's a clapper around the stadium after yeah. uh, you know whatever yeah. the result is. Gabriel, monster, uh, on the pitch leads by example. Hasn't got great English still. Yeah, Kieran Tierney, Kieran uh, big player, maybe injured a little bit too much. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and then Sam Conga, maybe a little bit too early for him. Yeah. So it's it's and it's Thomas Party, no and Thomas Party, no mate. <laughs> do no. a bit more, do a bit it's more boring. for a bit longer, but you know, yeah. Um... But but he's you know I don't, I don't think he's got a big enough personality. I don't think Thomas Partey is is captain material. You know he's a little no. bit too old for that. I'd rather have a young player that we can move forward. And, and Ben White still feel like he's going to nick my bird in Ibiza, stick a middle finger up to me. So I, I don't I don't trust him yet. But the, at least you know what at least there's a conversation now of who could it be because there are many names. Whereas this time last year. There was there wasn't anybody, was there? It was like maybe Granite Jack or again. I don't think so. Um I think realistically so... it's Gabriel or if it if it moves quick, it's Gabriel or Ramsdale. And I would have more time for Ramsdale in that situation, even though I don't even though I don't like my goalkeeper being my captain, I wouldn't prefer it. If they're the outstanding right. candidate, then it have to has to happen. Do you know what I mean? And I do think he is well, him and Gabriel, but at Ramsdale does look like the leader on the pitch, doesn't he? So, you know, maybe it's as simple as that sometimes. So, final topic of the game. Not the game, but the podcast, because that's what we're on. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk about 
Mikel Arteta. Because listen, we're, if if we are willing to roll him hard after the Everton game, which he deserved, then sometimes we've got to give him a little bit of praise. And I think he made some good decisions. And people that I know that aren't fans of him said, you've got to give him credit for that. Dropping over, motivating the team to perform, waving his hands like a lunatic when the team was sitting back on themselves and playing meekly and making some pretty good substitutions. I think Mikel Arteta had a good game against Southampton. I don't know it's Southampton, but listen, if if we're gonna if we're gonna drag him down after the Everton game, then we have to praise some of the the, the bigger decisions that he made and the fact that it does he was quite negative in the press conference before not negative just muted and subdued. The players are still playing for him, is what I take from from this. And not that I thought that they wouldn't be, but what what's uh, you're a bit of a barometer for Arsenal fan opinion or Mikel Arteta. What's your what's your take after this game, Johnny? Well, so this is this is the uh, you know this is the uh, the crux of the issue, really, isn't it? Um, because I don't think anyone's looking at that Southampton game and saying, "Oh, we weren't anything other than great in terms of and as attack as an attacking um, proposition." We could have scored more than that, um, and it was extremely necessary to see that attacking threat more than just nicking a 1-0 to Southampton. That that wouldn't have got me excited, nicking 1-0 to Southampton. We can't right. keep doing this. We have to start, you know, carrying a threat. We have to stop playing football. The fans are losing patience with the a perceived lack of courage, I think, in terms of being able to go out on a field against our opposition teams and say, uh, look, we, we think we're better than you and we're going to show you. We, you know, the, the sitting back when we were one nil up at United has really, I think, it, I, I think it's it's left a bad taste in the mouth for a lot of a lot of fans, you know, um, and I think that we seemingly surrendered, um, and I think that fans won't accept that they won't accept us. You, you, they can accept you having a go and not quite being good enough, like against a, a City or a Liverpool, but they can't just accept playing scared, playing in a meek, m- mealy-mouthed way, trying to hold on to leads when we've never been built like that. And we there's no reason to think that we would have success that way. So for me, it was more, more than just getting three points. We had to look like we are starting to click. We are. We're gonna. What I'm saying when I talk about the West Ham, we're gonna have to look like that a lot more. We're gonna have to click a lot more to make us, you know, to convince us that there is a future in this. Because what Arteta is actually battling is he he at the moment is maybe dispelling the the notions that he's a bad manager. Like doesn't know what he's doing. I don't think that's true. Some people are over the top sometimes. But what he hasn't done is convince that he's a good one yet. And if all he's going to do, if if his blueprint for, uh, you know, success whilst we're here, he's going to see us go up and down, up and down, constantly inconsistent, we're never going to progress. Because at times it will feel like we're progressing. And at other times, we're just going to feel like we're rig- regressing. We ne- now need to see it start to pick up in terms of gradient for clear progression, which would see us being able to, if not achieve our targets this year, in short order, it can't just be 
we get to the end into the summer and it just feels like we're just going to give it another go, just add Saliba into the gang. So for me to get convinced, we've got to, at this stage, there needs to be an attacking plan that the fans can see and we carry real threat and we're not, you know, competing on kind of in and around in terms of our goal output, teams like Burnley and teams like, you know, um, a struggling... Well, I think Villa has scored more than us, but teams at the bottom of the league, we need to be able to take take it to anyone in a way that a West Ham carry a threat in every game. And they're not even completely rampant. But it's not too much to ask at this stage that we have a clear attacking plan and that plan shows that we are a threat to anyone in the league and anyone that we play against. That's fair. That's fair. I think he answered the questions that I had about team mentality. The Everton game was an aberration, not part of a pattern, which was good news. We're starting to see a little bit more attacking swagger. Like It's great that he obviously is not asking the players to sit back when um, they're chasing a game. So that's good news. I think it was interesting listening to Thomas Tuchel after the Chelsea game because he says something along the lines of what I said about Arsenal last week, that our average performances need to be of a higher level. And I think that's true of Arsenal. And if Chelsea are working on it, then it means that we're in good company there. But um, our worst performances need to be better. Everton was our worst performance of the season and it was absolutely atrocious. And Arteta can't keep on revisiting those lows. And hopefully we won't. But there's there's some positives. The attacking football is getting a bit better. Our home record is the same as Manchester City's this season. So we've created a little bit of a fortress. And now the the next move, there are two, there are two next moves for Arsenal. We've got to get our away form better. We really do. And, you know, that's going to be a big part of where we make top four this season. Um, and then we do have to beat teams that are in the top six or seven on a more regular basis. Like, we can't get rolled by West Ham. We've really got to put in a performance against West Ham. They're yeah. beatable. They're beatable. Yeah. They're good. Um, you know, they're a good counter-attack inside, but we can unpick West Ham if, you know, if we're on our game. And I think Arsenal fans need it after the Everton, yeah. United and Liverpool games. So... Um, Arteta's doing all right. You're right, but there's a long way to go in the season. But at, at least, uh, <laughs> you know, even hearing from you saying he's not shit, you know, that's that, that's a uh, that's 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 progressive talk because that means he's convincing fans, and you know, you definitely sway more to one side than others. And you know, a lot of a lot of Arsenal fans in the stadium were asking me, not knowing that I do this. But they were like, what do you, you know, we're on the train and like, what do you think of Arteta? And then half of the mates would be like, I think he's good. I think he's good. We've got to give him time. And the other half would be saying, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think he's, and he, it's very difficult for stats analysts to say whether Arsenal are good or bad. It's very difficult looking at the table to say whether Arsenal are good or bad. And it's unclear. It's unclear. But I'm, I'm glad that we're at an unclear phase because this time last year, this time last December, we couldn't get a win for anything. You know, it would be until the 26th of December before we'd look like a, a half-decent team. So there's there's progress in the system and Southampton felt like a move forward. Let's hope that West Ham is a is another move forward because we've got to go into that Leeds game with confidence as well because that's a, that's a potential banana skin. So um, 
good times after the Southampton game, but still plenty of work to do on the fans, on the football, um, and on how we progress the squad. Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing to kind of just add off the back of that is just, I think the way that things have developed, not only um, with football as a whole, but sp- more specifically with Arsenal and the way that our managers have come and went, uh, you know, and how they've done since they've um, been in charge uh, since Wenger left the club. We have been accused from the outside of being a bit knee-jerk with our uh, two things I think we get labelled with as Arsenal fans. Uh, one, delusions of grandeur. We think we're better than what we are. Our players are just quite, not quite off to it, up to it. And also, oh, you're knee-jerk. You're one minute you're in, one minute you're out, you know, just flip-flapping. The problem is, is ultimately, I don't really care what people say about delusions of grandeur. I, I, we went through this last year, but I have expectations of the club and that isn't that we come in and we win the league every year. No one can guarantee that. But I expect us to be putting our best foot forward all the time to go and win trophies. Just taking part is not enough for Arsenal and it should never be accepted. Not, you know, we should always be trying to win things, even if it's not our time at that point. So what I go from that, that point, the reason why I lay that out is that I think managers should be given a chance to implement their ideas but we shouldn't lose track of our standards. And if a manager during a good period of time now can't start getting us towards where we need to be, which is competing, then I'm sorry, I'm not out here trying to hold everyone's hand. You can have a guy who might not be the worst manager in the world, but if he's not going to be good enough to get us to the next level, then you've had long enough, mate. It's over. What I'm saying is, as I said, I went on record last year, I thought he should have gone. I thought he'd earned the sack. But he hasn't gone, partly because our ball, you know, bottle it as far as I'm concerned. But there, he's here now, and I'm going to get behind the team. And I'm saying, even though I didn't necessarily want Arteta to stay, he is our manager. I hope he succeeds. Of course, this is what I think he needs to do as a minimum. And I'm not going to come out here and bang on him after games when we've won and won well if it looks like, in no, even if it's in fleeting moments, we could get to where we need to be. But if what he does is go from that game and just follows it up with shit again, and then we have another game, and then we have another shit performance, that's not good enough. We have to start becoming more consistent now because it will give everyone around the club, not least the players, but also the fans, renewed confidence that we're moving in the right way. Otherwise, what's to say this isn't going to be the ceiling and he's just going to be an up-and-down manager where we just really never get to where we need to be? That wouldn't be enough for me. And I think that there can be no more excuses. He has to get it right. And the best way to do it is to get us looking like we are more formidable as an attacking unit and capable of achieving our goals. Yeah, all fair points. And we are one point off West Ham right now. We go above them uh, on Wednesday if we beat them. And then it starts to be a different conversation because if we beat West Ham... Uh, we will be close to top four by January the th- the 3rd. So, and that's what the goal was all this season. So looking good. Anyway, Johnny, I know that you've had a busy day and I have had a busy day. Uh, so thank you for jumping onto the, the podcast late. We're going to be, we're probably not going to be on the whistle for West Ham unless you and Matt are doing it, but we can work that out behind the scenes. Um, but tell people where they can find you on your, uh, or on the internet. 
Yeah, as always, guys, at I, Johnny Cochran. Um, yeah, anyone who's following me right, right now might see some, um, quite frankly, see some irate tech tweets going out as we speak about the Formula One result. What a disgrace that was. Cheating, I might call it. Cheating. I mean, when you're meant to be a sporting arbiter, I mean, this could be a whole other podcast, but you're meant to be an independent sporting arbiter. You can't be interfering to engineer race results like that. I think it's just shocking. And all you Max fans, boo you. So you're you gonna go. have the follow me at I the, Johnny Cochran. <laughs> you're gonna have the, you're gonna have the Max Ultras up in your up in your tweets a little bit later. The Dutch are pretty aggressive out there. Um, all right, Johnny. With, uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. If you are listening to the Arsenal opinion on your iPhone, and it's a, it's maybe it's a Christmas present. So look down on there. Go through the app and give us a five star review. Even if you give us a five-star review and tell Johnny that he's wrong about the Formula One, I'll take that five-star review. I will take that right now. And on that note, thank you for listening. If you're watching the video, thank you for watching. And we will see you uh, on Wednesday. Oh, no, Thursday. We'll see you on Thursday. Anyway, tune in. We love you. Thank you very much. I'm Will Coleman, founder and CEO of Alto, and I built Alto to put an end to rideshare horror stories. You're used to the total lack of consistency in rideshare. Maybe it's a smelly car or a driver that asks just one too many personal questions. Not anymore. With Alto, you know exactly what to expect every ride. Every Alto driver is a trained Alto employee, and every Alto vehicle is part of our private fleet of luxury SUVs. Say goodbye to rideshare horror stories. Download the Alto app today and use code FOUNDER for $10 off your first ride. Hey there, listener. Do you have something to say? Then you're already a podcaster. You just don't know it yet. Whether you love to shoot the breeze with friends, have an urge to share your passions with the world, or even want to grow your business, you've got something worth saying with a podcast. With Acast, it couldn't be easier to start your own show. Launch, grow, and make money from your podcast across all listening platforms. If you have something to say, you're a podcaster. Head over to ACAST.com to get started for free. Sports Social Podcast Network.